You're listening to Wild and Holy Radio. Honest conversations, love notes, and strategies to grow a business while building a life grounded in deep integrity. I'm Megan Hale, integrity expert, bringing mindset and energetic wisdom to help you show up braver, go all in, and expand into your fullest expression. Let's do this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Wild and Holy Radio, the place to be for mindset and energetic wisdom for growing a business while building a life grounded in deep integrity. I am your host, Megan Hale, and this week I am currently in Omaha, which was a very last-minute impromptu trip, doing some house hunting and hoping to have some really good news soon that we've at least found our new home, even if our current home in Texas is still waiting for its new buyer. So send the vibes, friends, please, and thank you. Now, following our deep discussion around money lately, one reason so many of us are motivated to deepen our relationship with money is so we can earn more and become bigger agents of change in the world. But yet, we don't just want to generate any type of money. Most of us want sustainable money that comes from creating sustainable businesses. And today, I want to go deeper than just talking about creating sustainable revenue. I want to talk about integrity-driven sustainability, because when it comes to growing a business and building our lives, we have a powerful opportunity to be mindful of what we're currently upholding, maintaining, and sustaining in our culture at large. So as we step into this conversation, I wanted to bring on guest experts who can offer us a deeper perspective, ask big questions for us to reflect on, as well as actions that we can take to start intentionally creating mindful sustainability in our businesses in accordance with our values. Our first guest on this topic is Mason Aid. Mason is an educator and advocate for diversity and inclusion focusing on the LGBTQ community. They grew up on a small farm in rural Northeast Missouri and now live in the teeming metropolis of Columbia, Missouri. They got their start working with LGBTQ teens and found their passion through this work. Seeing the experiences of these amazing youth had a profound impact on Mason. And through their volunteer work, they found opportunities training educators and social service providers. They have since grown those opportunities into the Aided podcast, which is launching in just a couple of weeks, and are creating a movement to help equip others to be a safe person for youth who are coming out. Mason loves spending time with her wife and daughter, going on walks, cooking good food, and pretending to be a pretentious coffee snob. One of their biggest life goals is to hike the Ozark Trail across Missouri. Now, as I mentioned, Mason has her own podcast launching in July, the first week of July, in fact, called Aided, where they'll be sharing so much wisdom for how to bring more inclusivity and diversity into your life and business, as well as offering education on how to do this mindfully. 
I want you to find the links to Mason's website in the show notes. And now into our episode, friends, which does have a few audio hiccups, by the way. The team has edited it to the best of their ability, but it may sometimes sound as though we're talking over one another due to a lag. So asking for some grace on this one because Mason's message is far more important than perfect, which actually ties in beautifully to our conversation on allyship. So without further ado, here is Magical Mason. Mason, welcome to Wild and Holy Radio. I am so excited for our conversation today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Me too. So for all of our listeners, Mason and I are connected in a Moms for Business Owners group, and I have been cheerleading Mason for their journey and the work that they're doing in the world. And I'm so excited to be bringing your wisdom to my audience. So in your own words, Mason, would you mind telling people what your passion is behind your work? So my, my passion is I, I am a Midwesterner, um, at not just at heart, but, but for life, I've lived in Missouri my, my whole life. And, uh, you know, growing up in a rural community and then coming out was, was very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. But as I have navigated life, I've realized that, you know, we create so many stereotypes about people and especially more rural, more Midwestern people as they're not progressive. They're not up on things, whatever. No, they're just not equipped. Mm-hmm. People just don't know. And so my role is, you know, to be, to be your gay best friend and to help you navigate, you know, the world of gender identity and coming out and like my, my absolute dream is to help facilitate a world where there is one safe person in every school, in every mental health establishment, in every uh, place of faith for kids to go to when they come out so that they can stay alive. Because that's what it comes down to is saving lives. And if I can uh, impact one person to save one kid's life, I've done my job. I've lived my purpose. Oh my goodness. That is so tiny, big, so huge. Yeah, tiny, yeah, right? <laughs> just a small little thing, no big deal. Yeah, I'm just yeah, about to create a well. safer place for everyone. Is yeah. is a thing that I hear, but specifically for for youth, yeah, who are navigating yeah. a very, um, I think you know, adolescence or even before adolescence, when you are starting to become aware of of gender and who you are in the world is a very confusing time. And we're oftentimes looking for those support people in our lives to to hold space for us, even though we don't even know what holding space is yet. So the fact that you are really motivated to empower people to do that is just so, so important and and necessary. I'm so grateful you're doing that work. Yeah. You know, it's, I truly believe that most people are not bigots and are not bad people. They just don't know. Yeah. And you can't, you can't blame someone for not knowing something, you know, if they refuse to learn, that's a different story. But if you just simply don't know, like, okay, let's learn. Let me teach you. Let me hold your hand and let me, let me help you navigate this. You know, for sure. I want to be in a place that, you know, a teacher has a kid come out to them and they're going, Oh my goodness, what do I do now? Did I just screw this up? How do I handle this? How do I support this kid? I want to be their go-to. Oh, yes. And I'm curious, you know, we live in the world of online entrepreneurship for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I am really curious to know what role you think we have, the what opportunity you think we have to help serving your mission in the world. So the way that I see the, I, I am in love with the online entrepreneur world. 
um, it, it really is, is a space that has helped me come into my own and really learn more about running my own business, learn more about what my passions are and what drives me. And, you know, the more intentionally inclusive we are, Mm-hmm. the more we further this conversation. Mm-hmm. If we do things as, as online entrepreneurs, like putting pronouns on our intake forms mm-hmm. and one person asks you why, and you say, well, you know, I, I listen to this podcast and, you know, Mason is non-binary and they use they, they, them pronouns. And so I just want to be sure I'm being as inclusive as possible for everyone. Like that furthers the conversation yeah. and that helps. And, you know, we're, we're not online entrepreneurs in a vacuum. We're, yeah. we're parents. We're, you know, we have, friends who, who have kids, we are aunts, uncles, whatever, you know, we are still impacting people. Yeah. And, and, you know, so often we're, we're just not equipped yeah, as, and- as human beings and, and in the online, you know, I, I love this space so much. Um, and, and, you know, I dream of, of access to, to coaching and to, to knowledge for especially you know, trans and non-binary identified individuals who can have the support that they need as they navigate life and just kind of a better world in general, you know, because as these kids have safe people coming out, well, they're going to end with a workforce someday. Yes. Is the workforce ready for them Mm -hmm. right now? No. Mm -hmm. So what can we do to be ready for these kids to support them? Yeah. As, as they grow up, as they age into the workforce. Yeah. And I think in this digital age too, like if you run a business, chances are likely that you have a digital footprint, you have a digital platform and whether or not you are aware of how many people you are impacting, how many people you are rippling out by way of your platform. I think there's such a a bigger opportunity here to leverage that in a more positive way, in a more powerful and intentional way. And one of the things that is really important to me is really talking about sustainability in business. And I think many times we think about sustainability from really honoring your resources, working from that place of integrity where you're not overextending yourself to building sustainable revenue so you can continue to serve your mission in the world. But I think sustainability in a much larger context is to really think about what systems you are sustaining through your business, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that if we don't do that work of really looking at what we are upholding, what we are maintaining, when we talk about a sustainable business, for me, the world that I wanna see are businesses who are continuing to stand the test of time because they're doing this more conscious, intentional work and being really diligent and direct around what they stand for and the inclusivity that they're bringing to the table. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's, we, we, as, as online entrepreneurs, as people in this world, we have a bigger impact than we realize. Mm -hmm. People are watching us. The business world is watching us. We have people who are fans of our work that we don't even know exist, Mm -hmm. you know, who may never be clients, who may never work with us, who may not even be our target market, but they're watching how we do business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And wow, that's, that's, you know, that's a lot of responsibility to mm-hmm. do things to the best of your capabilities and when, not if we screw up, myself included, mm-hmm. how do we recover from that fall? Oh, you I'm know, so glad you brought this one up. <laughs> in society today, like we're, we're going to, we're going to screw up. We're going to mess up myself included. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I, I am big on the concept of falling forward mm-hmm. and of focusing not on 
avoiding the mess ups, but of how to recover from them well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my example for this is, is from the world of roller derby. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of one of the spaces where I found a lot of freedom and a lot of like embrasure of my identity and who I am. Um, yeah. But in roller derby, so you're on roller skates, right? You've got yeah. knee pads, elbow pads, wrist guards, helmet. You're ready to go, right? All geared up. And you're t- one of the first things you're taught in roller derby is how to fall mm-hmm. and how to fall safely because you're going to fall, right? You're on roller skates and people are hitting you. You're going to fall. And so how you're taught to fall in roller derby is you fall forward onto your knees, onto those mm-hmm. knee pads that you have protecting you, right? And then you put your knuckles down on the ground and you pop back up onto your toe stops and keep going forward. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you fall backwards, you're like on your back, like a turtle sprawling all over the place. Someone's <laughs> going to trip over you and roll over your arm and you're going to break a finger and you're going to take like 20 minutes to like awkwardly roll over. It sounds like, like you have up. personal experience with it. I, I've never done this. <laughs> never, never biffed it while roller skating ever. Um, but like, when you're watching a really good roller derby player, someone who has practiced falling and how to recover from that fall, you don't even see them get up. Mm -hmm. Like they're up and moving and going and back in the game before you know it. Yeah. That's what we have to aim for is not to not fall. Right. To fall with grace and then to recover and move forward and do better next time. So important. Things are changing so rapidly. Things are changing so rapidly. Like, even as I like am intentionally doing research on especially trans and non-binary gender identities, mm-hmm. I'm going to screw up. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get it right. And I'm like actively in the community doing research on this. Right. And, and like being, spending a lot of time and energy being on being knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. We have to cut ourselves some slack that we're not going to be perfect, but that we're going to own our mistakes. Yeah. And we're going to, not delete comments when we do mess up mm-hmm. and that we're going to really own it and come at it from a place of vulnerability mm-hmm. and say, Hey, I screwed up. I recognize my privilege. I recognize that I didn't realize how offensive what I say, was saying was right. And yeah. I move forward from it. You know, that's, that's all we can do. You know, I'm so curious because I know that you talk to a lot of different business owners about how to bring more inclusivity and diversity into their businesses and even just their language that they're using on their websites and their like social media posts and the way they're connecting with people. And I really love this metaphor of falling forward and the knee pads and like having those protective um, like soft kind of cushion places that help protect us, right? It makes the fall like maybe not hurt as much. And I'm just wondering from your perspective, is there like an equivalent to that when we Mm -hmm. are trying to be um, better allies for the LGBTQ community? Like what would be the equivalent of our knee pads? Um, I think people like me, you know, the people who are positioning ourselves as educators on, on different, different uh, uh, spaces, you know, there are some amazing, especially women of color doing education work on race. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and they're kind of my go-to where I, I'm going to give them all my money to teach me all the things mm-hmm. so that hopefully I don't screw up. Just yeah. like I want people, I want to help people know how to not screw up. You yeah. know, we're that protective layer where you can, you can put your time and energy into learning how to do better. Yes. And then you can implement it and, and it will minimize your fall. I love this because to me, it's like finding powerful resources. That's one thing. Um, getting the knowledge and really mm-hmm. spending the time and energy and e- an emotional effort in learning 
also I hear in your language that there is this level of grace of self-forgiveness when we screw up mm -hmm. and also having realistic expectations that you're likely going to get it yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like we're going to screw up. It's going to happen. We're human. Yeah. What matters, what matters is what we do with it. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I, I'm currently in an interesting space in life where I actually just started testosterone this week. Mm. Um, and I get read as female. I was assigned female at birth when I was born. The doctor was like, it's a girl. And I grew up and was like, yeah, no, not really. Mm -hmm. um, but I am entering this really interesting transitional space in life. And you know what? It has been in this online entrepreneurial entrepreneur. That's such a hard word to say. <laughs> entrepreneurial world is where I found much of my support. Mm -hmm. And that's been really magical. Yeah. You know, that, that we do have such a unique space. Yeah as online business owners where we can show up for each other and support each other and say, no, you're welcome in this space. Yeah. You know, like we are in a, a women's business owner parent group together mm -hmm. and I am non-binary and transitioning to where I will look like a man and I still feel completely and totally welcome in this space. Yes. Yeah. And, and like, as, I'm curious. That's magic. Perspective. It's totally magic. And I have seen just, I mean, the, outpouring of love and support that I have seen come on your behalf as you have, I mean, first of all, there's such a, a beautiful vulnerability in you sharing your journey first and foremost, but the way that you ask for support and clarifying what you need is just like top notch for really calling other people in to give that support to you. Right. And I think the yeah. question I have is when someone is trans or non-binary and they're not asking for what they need is there a way to offer support or to be supportive without them needing to call us forward i think that that's such a complicated thing because people are in so many different spaces as mm -hmm. as they navigate life you know just in general but also especially as you navigate the trans experience you know some people want to be really insular with it yeah and, and they don't need much from other people. I'm someone who's very dependent on my social support. Mm -hmm. um, and I have, have mastered the art of the vulnerable ask. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Brene Brown fan. Oh, uh, totally don't have Dare Greatly tattooed on my forearm. Totally <laughs> don't. Um, it's not a thing. Um, but, you know, for me, like, vulnerability has saved my life. And asking for the help that I need has literally saved my life. Yeah. So... I'm, I'm going to ask and I'm going to think about what I need. Um, but I think when we have people who are really, really kind of struggling and navigating, we want to know how to show up for them. The best thing we can do is say, Hey, how can I show up for you right now? Yeah. Do you need me to just like not make it like not talk about it because you want to just be a normal person mm -hmm. as you, as you transition, as you navigate life. Like, yeah. because sometimes like our trans identities become the forefront yeah. And we're, we're not your friend, we're your trans friend, mm. you know? And like, I love, I love the group we're in because I'm just another business owner. Right. Fumbling through the early years of starting a business, figuring out what exactly I'm doing, who exactly I'm talking to, all of that fun stuff that we all go through, you know, especially in the first three to five years. And I'm just another business owner. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the space I like to be in is because sure. I'm just another business owner who happens to be trans. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and that's, that's part of what makes that space magical is, is that 
it's not like, oh, my trans friend Mason. It's, oh, yeah, it's Mason. I know. <laughs> and I love that so much. Yeah. Seeing you rise in this area of expertise has been really phenomenal um, for me to witness. I think one question that I have for you that I've been navigating for myself is I know that language, like using inclusive language, is something that really sets the tone. Like even just having mm -hmm. a, um, a pronoun selection on an intake form, for instance, right? Like that's a very small yeah. shift right. to make. And I think in the digital world, it can be a little bit, I don't want to say easier because I don't necessarily think that that's the right wording that I want to use, but we can be more intentional with the language that we're writing and the things that we set up mm -hmm. to be like more automated. The question I have is when you're in like real world conversations with a person who you might feel that you don't need to make an assumption on their pronouns mm -hmm. and how do you navigate that in real time? Like, is it appropriate to ask or do you yeah. just use non-binary pronouns? So when you are in person, face-to-face -face interacting with someone whose gender you're not sure of, mm -hmm. um, if you're just meeting them, introduce yourself with your pronouns. Mm. So like you would say, hi, I'm Megan. I use she, her pronouns. And then that gives them the space to self-identify if they feel comfortable with it, or mm. they can just say, oh, I'm, I'm Mason. Oh, and not, that. but it creates the space for me to say, oh, Mason, they bear them pronouns. And it's not as weird for me to kind of have that conversation. Yes. Um, and it opens up the space for someone to, to choose whether they're going to, to, to tell you. And if they don't, and you're still not sure, just use their name. Okay. It, it sounds a little awkward, but you're not going to offend anyone by using their name. Yes. You know? And if you accidentally use the wrong pronouns, even if they are non-binary pronouns, like they, they're them, that is, could still be misgendering, still be mm -hmm. using the wrong words for someone, which, you know, is not an intentionally malicious thing to do, but like the way I describe it. So I work, I work retail as my mm -hmm. day job. I'm yeah. a barista. Um, I get called ma'am 25,000 million times a day. And so like the first time it's like that drop of water in your forehead where you're like, well, that's awkward. Yeah. And then it just keeps happening over and over and over and over. And by the end of the day at my, you know, highly customer service job, I'm just exhausted. Yeah. And I don't have the emotional capacity to deal with it anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, and that's what it's like. It's like, do you want to be another drop of water on someone's head? And for some people, it's not a drop of water. It's a punch in the shoulder. Yeah. You know, for me, it's like a drip of water. That's like insanely annoying, but not physically damaging for some people. It's a punch. Yeah. I'm like, we're, we're good people. We want to treat people well. Like I don't, I don't care what anyone's personal beliefs are or religious beliefs are. That's, that's between them and them or them and God. Mm-hmm. But don't, don't be a jerk. And especially don't be a jerk on purpose. Oh my gosh. You know, that's Absolutely. Like that's, that's the delineation. I don't care what you believe. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care what you believe about my life, but I do care how you treat me and whether you treat me with respect and compassion and love. Yeah. And that's all I ask for is for you to respect who I am and where I am. Absolutely. You know, and I, we, we make it so much more complicated than it really is. Yeah. And I, I also know. think it's like, it comes back to where we started this conversation of, well, first of all, if it's something that is 
intentional, that's like a whole nother conversation. But the thing where I kind of want to focus is the, like the unintentional harm that can be caused when you just don't know. And I love the tool that you shared of like, if you're not sure in this situation, just share your pronouns. Like that's such an easy tool to start implementing because I generally approach things from a relational perspective. And so one of the things I look at is what does this look like in action in real time? Right. And one of the things, one of the questions that I had was the one that we just talked about of when you're not sure of someone's uh, pronoun, how do you bring that up in a respectful way, which I loved your answer to. The other question that I have is I think of like, how do we start to implement this in a way where we start to find more um, comfort, like being able to use the right, I'm going to say pet names, because there's a lot of pet names that we use in the space when we're talking to people like girl, boy, like, you know what I mean? And they're gender, they're gendered in the English language. And so it's it, when you want to be mindful and respectful of someone who is non-binary, I think having some like sub in words that go like that are respectful can be helpful. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. I mean, like I, I actually, within the last three years, it's, I mean, fairly recently I had a, I had a friend call me out on saying, Hey guys, all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my, I've never even thought of that. And so like I had to practice and train myself to use. And now I say y'all all the time. Like Missouri is just Southern enough. That I can <laughs> y'all. I know. Right. I'm at, I'm at the day job and I'm like, Hey y'all, how you doing? Mm-hmm. And I just use y'all instead of, Hey guys. Yeah. Like I, like I used to, and now like, I don't say, Hey guys, mm-hmm. I mean, it's taken a lot of practice. It's taken a little bit of brain rewiring. Yeah. But if it keeps one person from being hurt, mm-hmm. worth it, worth all the mental energy, you know, yeah. it's, and that's like, you know, a lot of people struggle with singular day, right? Mm-hmm. Using day for one person. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love they because of the plural nature of it, because Mm -hmm. I am both feminine and masculine. Mm -hmm. I am both male and female. They encompasses this dual nature that I inhabit and this kind of middle ground that I really thrive in. Yeah. And, and I love it because of, because it's plural, because yeah, I I am plural. I'm one person, but I am plural. It's beautiful. You know, it's absolutely beautiful. And I love, and I think like, that's the, I think that's like the magic the, to all of this is like really thinking about, a, like when you show up in a respectful way, even just with pronouns, even with just pet names that are a little bit more expansive versus gendered, right? Using mm-hmm. y'all. I'm a big fan of y'all. <laughs> I say it all the time. That's one example. But what you're doing is helping to celebrate your magic. Exactly. Which isn't that a rad thing to do in the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's as a non-binary person who is read as female 95% of the time, the biggest thing that I come up against is feeling invisible. Mm. Is feeling like people don't see my whole self, mm-hmm. you know, because this, this very big part of, of who I am at the core is is not seen by society in general because we're just not there yet. And so when I feel really authentically seen by someone and they use the right pronouns and they call me Mason and they're respectful and don't use gender, like, Oh my goodness. I mean, that's again, like pure magic. And I, I don't have that experience very often where I feel truly seen. 
Yeah. Yeah. And And it really is such a, like a simple shift if you're conscious of it. Exactly. You know, the, the changes that I advocate for are really minute. I mean, they're small. You know, when you really look at the big scheme of things, like add your pronouns to your signature line, Mm -hmm. it'll take you five minutes, Mm -hmm. but it makes it a lot less weird that mine are on my signature line. Right. Done. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. add a a pronoun line to your intake form. Done. Yeah. You know, it's, it's those introduce yourself when you're working with a new client with your pronouns. Yeah. These, these tiny steps will, you know, there's, I'm really fascinated with, uh, Generation Z, so like 13 to 23 year olds. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a market research study done in Great Britain. So like I don't know the sample size. It's not a scientific study. You know, putting all of those disclaimers out there. <laughs> um, according to the study, less than half of the Generation Z respondents identified as exclusively heterosexual. Mm. Less than half. Wow. Of 13 through 23 year olds identified as ex- most of them. So that. They use the Kinsey scale, which is one is exclusively heterosexual, mm-hmm. no homo. Mm-hmm. Six is like all homo all the time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you've got this scale. And so most of the respondents identified as a two. So like, I'm pretty much straight, but I'm not going to rule it out. Right. It's still a massive shift, even oh from me gosh. at 34, yeah. looking at this next generation like blows my mind. You look at the number of kids who are using they, their, them pronouns, the number who are identifying outside the gender binary or who are playing with gender in a way that we haven't seen. Like things, things are shifting. It will be really interesting to see what the next 10 years brings as far as how our society views gender and sexuality. It's, sure. it's changing. Yeah. I mean, I think of like just parenthood of just being more aware of gendered toys, gendered colors, use all of this into so many different layers of society. Exactly. There's so many little things that we are becoming aware of and going, huh, why? Yeah. Why? Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's, it's just really, the sociologist in me is like in love with like observing and answering analyzing all of these social shifts that are happening right now, especially in kind of the parenting and, and especially motherhood world. Like that's been one really mm-hmm. interesting thing is, is as a parent, mm-hmm. how I am treated different, different from my wife. Yeah. Because she is femme presenting, mm-hmm. you know, she dresses skirts, all that jazz, you know, the stereotypes we have mm-hmm. and I am more masculine presenting and I get the, I have never been parent shamed. Mm-hmm. Um, I get the, oh my goodness, you've got, you've got her alone all night tonight by yourself. That's so amazing. And I'm like, I'm, it's called being a parent. Wow. Like I'm, I, nobody's ever told me that I'm babysitting my daughter, which is good. Cause I don't know how I would handle that. <laughs> like, I, think I, I think I might lose it on someone if they said that. And I know that kind of that different experience from my wife will only get more significant as I begin to be read as male more often. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it just, it infuses everything. Like, I don't know if there's an area that it doesn't touch. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's so, it's so fascinating and it's, you know, it's, it's eye-opening the more we think about it. For sure. You know, one of the questions that I have too is something I've been seeing a lot around the online space is starting to spell women differently like with a Y instead of the E. Yeah, or, or an, an X, X instead uh-huh. of the E. Yes. I wanted to know, like, what does that communicate to the LGBTQ community? What does it 
communicate to the world in your opinion? So to me, it, it communicates a more expansive view of, of, of being a woman. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people who don't believe that trans women are real women and see trans men. So people who have transitioned from female to male as being more, more womanly than their trans female um, folks are, uh, which is very not true. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I am kind of honestly conflicted on the X because as someone who, yes, I was born and raised to be a woman, but I have never been a woman. Mm-hmm. I, you know, in, in the women's groups that I'm in, because I'm more comfortable with women than I am with men, like the experiences that I've seen shared, I don't have. Mm. I have been catcalled twice in my life and like it never felt like harassment because it was only twice Mm -hmm. you know like I I don't I don't know that experience Mm -hmm. and they're you know like talking about how long it takes you to get ready versus your husband well I'm the husband in that situation Mm -hmm. yes I was assigned female at birth but yeah the expectations on me as to how I present and how I show up are very different than they are for someone who who is female identified Mm -hmm. right yeah and so I truly believe that there need to be space for women only, including, including all trans feminine people. Yes. So including, you know, like I, as I am, I identify as a fem, feminine man, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you have to put me in the binary. So I am much more comfortable in groups of women. Yeah. But I've also learned and have worked really hard to know when I need to show up and sit back and watch right? Mm-hmm. And to not assert my privilege. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't. And and women need those safe spaces. You know, whether they are trans or cisgender, they need those safe spaces where people with masculine privilege aren't. Yeah. And so I'm kind of torn on these, on these spaces that are, are aiming to be more inclusive, which is beautiful and wonderful. And we need to include non-binary folks in spaces of marginalized communities, right? Mm-hmm. Because many non-binary folks were, were assigned female at birth mm-hmm. and, and have not grown up with male privilege mm-hmm. or are feminine people who, you know, deal with prejudice because of their feminine identity. Right. So yeah. we, deal with, we deal with sexism too. It's just in a different way. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that I'm, I'm honestly kind of working through and I'm kind of torn on right now because I don't ever want to be seen as invading a woman's space where they don't feel safe because I am more masculine presenting. Like I have, I've had a really good conversation with a Mara Glotzel. Um, she works in, in self care with women identifying people and only with women identifying people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, when I need to take time for self care, I take time for self care. I don't, I don't, I don't question it. I don't I say, no, I need to take a moment right now mm-hmm. and go for a walk or go for a run. Yeah. But that's a very masculine aspect to me where my wife is like, no, I need to do things for the family all the time. And I'm like, no, you need to take care of yourself. And she's like, but I can't. Mm-hmm. And, and that's an experience that I don't have as a masculine person. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. I think it's great, but I think we really have to think about it and be intentional and be, be honest about who the space is for. Yeah, that's so important. And I think if you're going to create space for women identified folks, what responsibility do you have as a group leader or group facilitator in that space too? 
because I think that there is a lot of I, I trend, if you will, to be more inclusive, but I think that there also needs to be a level of, of responsibility and understanding of what that really means to hold safe space. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's where it gets complicated and it gets nuanced because it kind of depends on, you know, what realm you're in. Like I'm in area. You. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, uh, that, this is kind of my jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can help you navigate that. That is a skill I have. Um, but, you know, there are some spaces I'm in that are for women and non-binary people and it works very well. Mm-hmm. And there are, are some spaces I'm in where I'm one of two non-binary people who's masculine identified. And I know that I need to sit back and shut up sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and I have the self-awareness to know that, but a lot of people don't. Um, oh. And so I think it's, I think it's really being intentional about who am I talking to? Who is this space for? What guidelines do we have in place? How can we be, how can we include the right people and, and just be intentional and mindful about it that, you know, maybe like, maybe I am a good fit in a women's group because I am a feminine person. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fabulous. Like I am not going to be I am I'm absolutely fabulous and I'm, I'm more comfortable in women's spaces, mm-hmm. but I also know that I bring privilege. And that's the thing and, that I hear you saying over and over again, like to me, like it's just landing on a deeper level and deeper level each time I hear you say it is that there's an awareness of the privilege that you bring. And there's also a willingness to not assume your experiences are like everybody else's. It's almost like approaching people with a curiosity. And I think that those are two skill sets that anybody can practice. We can check our privilege and also not assume that just because we have this lived experience that everyone has this lived experience. Exactly. We have to believe people's stories, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never been catcalled, mm-hmm. but I have been verbally harassed for peeing, mm-hmm. you know? And that's an experience that, that most cisgender women haven't had. Right. But if I'm on a road trip, I have to think long and hard about if I could use the bathroom at all mm-hmm. or who do I bring with me to validate that I belong in that restroom. Right. Is this a safe space? It, like, is this a safe place or will I get beat up or, or murdered? You know, and that's the reality of, of my experience. But, yeah. you know, like we, we have to be aware of where our privilege lies and where it doesn't lie. You know, the thing that I want to hit home to everyone who's listening to this conversation is exactly what you just shared, Mason, is you have to think long and hard if you're going to get beat up or die. Like this is a very, it has real consequences, like very real consequences. And if you go and look at the statistics of the number of trans people who are murdered every year, the number of violent acts that are committed against people from just the LGBTQ community in general, it will raise your awareness to just how prevalent violence, murder, abuse is. And that it's the importance of like, we have, we have some power with our platforms, with our businesses, with our, with who we are, like in our personhood to start to shift that. And it's by making simple, simple shifts that we've talked about in this episode. In, in the month of June, I believe at this point, four trans women of color have been murdered Yeah. in June. Yeah. That's appalling. 
It's very appalling. And most people in my community might not know, um, when I was a former therapist, I lived in a, a very conservative area of Texas and was one of the few therapists that really opened my doors to the LGBTQ community. And several of my trans clients, this story, like the horrific, just pain and abuse, like the violence, like coming in with black eyes, like, I mean, it, it is very, very real, very real. And this is the stuff that's reported. Yeah. Right. So you exactly. could only imagine that the prevalence of this that goes unreported is probably just astounding and yeah. like blow your mind horrific. So I think that that's why it's just so important for us to be more conscious of, you know, as we're growing businesses and thinking about sustainability, thinking about what you're upholding, thinking about what you're maintaining and what you are sustaining because there is such an opportunity to create change. And, and when you look at the segments of the population who are underemployed, trans people are insanely underemployed. Yes. You know, like I, I am working retail while building a business because I'm not going to go anywhere else because my retail job is safe. Yes. You know, I have a bachelor's degree. I am, I am an intelligent person and I'm, Yes, I'm building it. I'm building my own business. Yes, that is, that is a thing. And my, my day job provides benefits. And that is also a very important thing. Mm-hmm. But finding a job while trans is very difficult. And I would love to see more space become available and more, more help become available for trans people, especially trans women, to navigate the online entrepreneurial world. So I offer that as a challenge. I love that. <laughs> Um, so so how can you, how can you support someone who is underemployed to build their own business that maybe they don't have to do the customer service for, or maybe they don't have to fear being outed Yeah, because they're behind a computer screen, you know, like I, I helped a friend get a job doing, doing search engine optimization work. And, you know, she was just like, thank you. Yeah. Because I don't have to get a customer service job where I might be harassed. I yeah. can sit in the background and write meta descriptions all day long and get paid better and not have to be in that customer service space where you're literally putting yourself in danger. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, and it's just something awesome. that so many of us take for granted. Like it so is. And I mean, those are some amazing marching orders. If there yeah, are, like, I mean, let's, let's do this. the opportunity, like you, if you, have the opportunity to grow your business and hire someone that provides them a safe space to work. That is like, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's amazing because I mean, you're so right. Like I'm thinking of all of my clients um, from my private practice days and all of the stories Mm -hmm. of not being treated um, justly and fairly at their workplaces, struggling to get um, their gender marker changed yeah. their ID so they could at least have proof and justification of why they need to be um, treated or spoken to with different pronouns. Like it's just all of these layers that you, as a as a privileged cis person, you don't think about every day because you're not experiencing it every day. But this is something that is very real. That exactly. as you experience your life every single day, you're coming in contact with people who are using the wrong pronouns. Yeah. Everyone. The exhaustion I mean, <laughs> that comes with that. It's so tiring. Yes. It's so tiring. Um, sure. And, you know, I am, I am a very patient, very, I am an educator by nature. This is, this is 
what I truly believe is my calling and higher purpose, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I am, I'm here to educate people and help them to know better so that they can do better. And, and so I have infinite patience for people, Mm -hmm. but I am kind of a special rainbow unicorn in that regard in that I do have that patience, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I am an anomaly. My ability to patiently educate is an anomaly. Um, and so when you need education, when you need to learn something, be sure that you go to someone whose job it is to educate and not just someone who might know. Yes. Because it's not, it's, I am choosing education as my job. Yeah. But that's not on every trans person to educate everyone they come in contact with about their identity and who they are and how they navigate the world. Thank you for clarifying that. Yes. Yeah. Like come to, come to me, please come to me, ask me any questions. You're not going to offend me. You, you have to try to offend me. And if you're trying to offend me, you don't deserve my time. Exactly. Um, <laughs> like I did, I did an ask me anything with 120 incoming freshmen in a health class. Wow. They asked me everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you're not, you're not going to offend me. You, you literally like you would have to be trying to. And you know, like I want people just don't know. Yeah. And they're curious and we're afraid to ask. Yeah, afraid to ask and because we're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing. Yeah. That's what people like me, like that's, that's my job. I want you to ask a question that might be offensive. Yeah. And And we're we're going, where we're going to bring it back to your amazing metaphor. Like Mason, you are one of those safe spaces for us to land safe. Not like you're going to not keep it real with us, but the patience that you bring to these conversations, the role that you are intentionally choosing to take on to be an educator. It's so important to discern your teachers and to choose them wisely. And I think that you are one of the wisest teachers to educate us on how to bring more diversity and inclusion for the LGBTQ community through our businesses. And for anyone who is listening to this podcast, Mason, you have your own podcast that's launching. Would you like to talk about that for a second? I do. Yes. So um, life has been pretty, uh, pretty intense. Um, I was intending on launching my podcast in June. I am doing soft launch first week of July. Um, it goes live. It's the Aided Podcast. Yes. Uh, it'll be it'll be all over the internet. Um, but I'm going to have weekly in depth, like 20 minute episodes where I just go in deep on a topic right? Mm-hmm. We just go in depth. Um, a definition of the week every Friday. So oh. every Friday you can learn what a new word means and how to use it right. And what it, what, where it kind of is in the zeitgeist right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And then on Monday I'm having a special little short episode for, for those of us who are in the community and focusing on, on how we can do better. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. I have a lot of work to do on it. Um, but it's, it's going to be great. Uh, so yeah, launching officially, uh, July 3rd is the soft launch and, uh, doing a, doing a more formal launch in August. I so, am so stoked to support you and get this. I am, I am so stoked. Ah, yes. And I am like really personally excited to welcome you to the podcasting world because it's, it's a lot of fun. So much fun. So yeah, no, I, I have loved guesting and I'm super excited to just kind of dive in and figure it all out as I go. Um, I love it. And I am totally yeah. 
totally cheering you on. So for anyone who is listening and love this conversation and want, they might be asking themselves the question of, gosh, am I doing a good job of being an ally? Am I being inclusive in my language? Do I need some support to help me make these changes so I am making a conscious impact in the world and really being mindful of what I'm sustaining with my business? I would love for you to go and visit Mason on their website. Um, They have options to do a website review, to even hire you for a brain consult, correct? Mm, Yep. And if you have an event, Mason is available to come and speak, which... I would love to see you in person speak. So we're going to be six hours away from each other. So I have a feeling that that's going to happen sometime in the future once I officially get to Omaha and I'm a little bit closer to Missouri. So Mason, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your wisdom and your magic with my community. I appreciate you so much. And I will be supporting the Aided podcast as it launches in a couple of weeks. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We will see you next week on Wild and Holy Radio. 